On this week's episode of the Bet the Process podcast, we will be talking about all the possibilities in college football like we always do. And Rufus will be once again telling us how Ohio State did not play as badly as we thought they did. And UCF has zero chance to make the national championship playoffs picture. We'll be giving our picks um, and hope to follow up on a wonderful college weekend last week where we almost went perfect except for I jinxed the UNLV Hawaii fade. Then we'll be talking a little bit about how hard it is to model some of these really, 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 really big overs. And we'll be talking about some game theory and uh, decision-making within the games in terms of going for two. And then finally, we'll be finishing up with the NFL. So as always, the Bet the Process podcast is sponsored by the Sports Action app, which is the best app to do all of your sports betting stuff. And it's available for free on the Google Play Store and the iTunes Store. So with that, let's start the process. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 13 of the Bet the Process podcast, where Rufus and I are in an ongoing battle to see who can have more technical difficulties. Rufus is in a little personal um, hell right now that I've been in before, where we're in a time crunch to get this recorded, because we're both going to be on the Tony Kornheiser show. Rufus is going to be in studio, which is so effing cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's so I know. Cool. That's so cool. You know what? Um, what's that guy's cool. name? Murray, the Westgate guy? John Murray. John Murray, yeah. He is in Alexandria, Virginia t- right now because he's from there. Really? That's where I am right now. I know. He wants to go have a drink with you. He's talking about you. He, he, like, they, he and Doug said we were both very sharp guys, which you know made it harder for me to be mean to Doug. He hasn't actually responded to me, which either means <laughs> that he didn't listen to my pod, to the pod, which I'm sure he actually didn't. Or he hates me now, which both are possible. Um, but, anyways, um, so with Jeff, can I can I bef- can we just check and make sure? Speaking of technical difficulties, that you actually re- are recording right now, because that's one thing that we don't want to have happen again. No, oh, I'm recording. I definitely recorded. I recorded okay. before you came on. So thanks for um, uh, completely ruining my vibe and buzz, which I was doing so well. Um, anyways, I, um, want to start with college, which we normally do. How do you feel about Nowcast? How did Nowcast do this week? How did, uh, you know, honestly, I haven't actually even looked at what the committee's ratings were this week because I don't really expect a lot of changes there. You don't give a crap. I mean, it's, you know, my Nowcast, you can tell me, like I have Alabama, Clemson, Notre Dame, Michigan. I'm guessing that didn't change, right? Uh, that did no not way, right? No, it's right. Change. Then Georgia, Oklahoma, Ohio State, Washington State, LSU, Wait, hold on, hold on. Georgia, Oklahoma. Yep. Yep. Then who did you say next? Ohio State, the Ohio State University. So that I think that's where you're. I think that's where you fell did, off. Actually, is Washington State at number seven? No, a different team is. LSU. Yep. Okay. LSU seven. Give, yeah. 
Washington State eight. Not even Ohio then State. Ohio at State. Nine. Not what? even Ohio State at nine. That's shocking. University L- UCF is at nine. Florida at nine. And Ohio State at ten. Is eleven by, West Virginia. Followed by this is gonna be a surprise, followed by Rutgers at eleven. Oh, I love that. Great yeah. pick. Great Perfect. pick. Perfect. Good. Uh, no, followed by Florida 11 and Penn State at 12. West Virginia at 13. Wow. Mm-hmm. Florida at 11. I have them at 17. Yeah, well, you would yeah. be different. Who do you have at 11? Uh, West Virginia. Interesting. So they have and Penn State. West Virginia, Texas, your, Utah. Your, your shit was way off. Penn State 14. So the one time you nailed all hey, of these. Hey. Small sample size, bitch. It's true. It is true. However, I was pretty. I, I was perfect on the first six. Oh my god! The first first six, a monkey could have done that. Like you're gonna get to meet Nigel. Sorry, not Nigel. Nigel's the guy with the British accent. Uh, Reginald is the monkey that picks on that show, and the monkey could have gotten the top six perfectly. Do you really think it's a big deal so that you got the monkey? No, not at all, obviously. Okay. I, I do think getting the top, whatever it was, 12 or 13, that one week was pretty impressive, that though. Was one week, Rufus. I don't understand. Of course why. it was one week. I'm not saying it's like indicative of future success. It's, it's clearly, like winning the lottery would be really cool, too. It's not indicative of future success because you haven't been able to come close since then. Yeah. Can't I enjoy the success when I have it? No, you can't. Because that's not the world we live in. The world we live in is what have you done for me lately? So it's interesting is that always you, more, more, more. You had you had Ohio State much higher than the committee, and that probably comes down to this game grade, where the committee is looking solely at the result of that Ohio State game, which looked like they barely won. But from your standpoint, Ohio State played a pretty good game. Is that true? Yeah, they did, and and I was rooting for Maryland to win, um, just because. I thought the chaos would have been nice. Plus, I had um, I had some Maryland there, but yeah, Ohio State defense was in the seventh percentile yards per play. So, money? no, I didn't. I didn't. So it didn't matter. They were going to cover. The I had time. no. It didn't matter at that point. It, yeah. Exactly. I think I had some second half bet. I don't remember what it was, but but that I needed. Yeah, I had Maryland second half. That was a big one. So that's still one. Going for two was great because they were down seven at the half. I got plus ten second half. That was one of the few winning second half bets this week. But uh, Ohio State's D was was very bad in terms of uh, yards per play allowed, but it was largely just came off of a few big plays. Maryland had uh, touchdown runs of 81 and 75 yards in the first quarter by um, the rookie running back uh, McFarland. Is his first name Anthony? I keep wanting to call him Anthony McFarland, whether that's his name or not. Um, they also had two pass plays of over 55 yards. He's just happy. Maryland you know. got a pick six. He's happy, you know. <laughs> yeah, because you know. Yeah, Maryland had a pick. Are you gonna let me talk here, Jeff? Nope. I'm talking about Maryland here. Yep. Yeah. Scott Van Pelt would be angry at you. He's so already Maryland angry. got a pick six. Um, they were two for two on fourth down. They recovered an onside kick. Ohio State turned it over three times. Um, but in Ohio State was actually. Um, very, very good in play success on offense and on defense, but it was just those big plays and the turnovers that that kept Maryland. Well, they, I shouldn't say kept Maryland in the game because Maryland was winning the entire game, but that led Maryland to be to be winning. Yeah, the entire no, I mean, game, I think so. that's fair. 
Um, yeah, they, they graded out as number eight. What about Washington so, State? Yeah, they actually were number nine. Number like one spot below Ohio State in game grade. So by a point, they Ohio State was slightly better in terms of uh, yards and play success on offense and slightly better on play success on defense. But Washington State was much, much better um, on defensive yards per play. And all this is controlling for opponent and home field. So Washington State, with that, with that win, they rise all the way up to number 22 in the Massey Peabody ratings. What, do you, what does that make uh, Washington State in terms of um, what do you make them at um, against Washington in terms of the line? What do you think that number should be? I make it pretty close to a pick. I make Washington uh, 0.3 point favorite. So I, I was on Washington. I got Washington plus three earlier in the week. It's two and a half now. I wouldn't bet it at two and a half, but I think there was value, value earlier on. And, and the interesting thing there is that um, when you look at it, like Washington was the preseason number seven team in Massey Peabody, whereas Washington State was number 60. Washington right. State is currently up to 22. Washington's down to 13. But if you look just at the in-season performance using our just current season ratings, Washington State has been the better team by a little over one point. But to me, that's, I mean, it's it's a great example of, of how priors still matter. And you think that after, what, we're on week 13, well, after 11 games each. You're, you're, you're saying that priors matter. It's not an example of I am. how priors matter. I am. I'm, like, we, there's no, like, way to know whether you're right or the in-season is right, right? Like, on, on a one-sample size that's fair. thing. On a one-sample size thing, you're saying that, or on sort of an in-season thing, you're saying that Washington State should be roughly a three and a half point favorite, and um, based on priors and your model, you actually think that um, Washington should be a what do you say? Basically, it should be pick them. So that's like a four, yeah, like yeah, and I, point difference based on priors, and it's solely because of priors, basically, because Washington we think has underperformed their talent level based on our initial estimate of their to- their talent level whereas Washington state is overperformed. And so yeah. in a way it's a chance to buy low on Washington and sell high on Washington state. No, no, I, I, I actually like wash. I think it's one of my picks. I, I like Washington in that game, even at the two and a half. Um, I think it's a complete, you know, over like, just like last week when we were talking about in the NFL, when we thought like people are overreacting to what's happened this season um, in that Jacksonville Pittsburgh game. Well, that's sort of like what that happened. But we also said that about the Philly New Orleans game, which um, did is Philly did Philly cover, you know, in that game? Was it close? It was close. It was it was close. it was, it was kind of till the bitter end. Okay. So can we examine a little bit about then the scenarios that are gonna play out here? Right. So if Alabama so Alabama's gonna beat Auburn, we think. We think Georgia will beat Georgia Tech, which neither of them are right. Close. That's going to come down to Those... basically Alabama and Georgia are in a playoff game in the SEC championship game because if Georgia wins, they will go for sure. Alabama will likely go also, right? And... Right, right. So we have Georgia at 91% to go in that scenario and Alabama at 81%. So I don't think we can say with certainty, but we can say – I think if, confidence. I think we can say with certainty that if Georgia wins that game, they're going. I think I'll, I yeah. would take your your. It depends model, on how they win. Ninety-one percent. 
I would take one to 20 odds on that. So I'll give you edge on that. One to 20. That so if Georgia are you, wins, they're going. Are you from like Europe or something? <laughs> Why don't you, can we express it in money lines like Americans? No. No. Uh, so one to 20. So that's minus, minus uh, 2,000. Yeah, minus 2,000. Yeah. That's wait, like can we can we move on here? Okay. Can, like so so why do you think that it's a sure thing? Because what happens if Clemson wins out also and Notre Dame and Michigan win out, then you have and at that point it doesn't really matter what Oklahoma does, but then you have five teams that have a legitimate claim. Who doesn't get in? One lost Michigan? Yeah, one lost Michigan doesn't get in. I, that seems to be the consensus here. Or, and, or one, or, you know, or I, as crazy as it sounds, one loss Alabama. I don't think that yeah. you can pick Alabama over Georgia after Georgia just beat them to win the SEC championship. I agree. In my numbers, I have my little pecking order, and my pecking order has uh, Georgia higher, but it also has Michigan. It has a one loss Michigan higher than but your numbers Alabama have been also. high on Michigan this entire time, right? We we talked about this. high in terms of in terms of their power rating or in terms. You believe a two loss Michigan would go in over a bunch of teams, right? I also believe a two loss Georgia would go in over a bunch of teams. So you're right. In a way, I guess I'm not giving conference championship um, or conference title enough credit. But I've also been low on Michigan in terms of the now cast. For example, last week I had Georgia at number four and Michigan at number five. So I don't think I'm low on Michigan relative to the committee. Irregardless, let's move on. So what is the other? So Notre Dame is, I mean, they're not going to lose to SC, right? Not in the state that SC is in. Not like, not the fact that SC is not some nobody, whatever. So I guess the question is. 76%. So what? what's your line in Michigan, Ohio State? I'm surprised you're not on Ohio State in that game. Uh, no, no, because I was high in Michigan. You just said I was high in Michigan. And now you're like, why aren't you on Ohio but State? You, You've historically been high on Ohio State all season. Not relative to the market, have I? Well, you wanted them as the number seven team and seven team and now cast. Yeah, but that that's now cast. That's modeling the committee, not saying whether I like them. You had you had you had Ohio State favored in this game two weeks ago, and then no, that is false. We need to go back to the recording. That is definitely false. It's not false. You said they were going to be favored in this game. Three weeks I said ago. I thought they probably would be at the time, but they shouldn't be. Oh, interesting. I've been high in Michigan. So, so, but the thing is, a lot of people think, I think this Michigan-Ohio State gap, a lot of people think it's, uh, okay, so what do you make it should have widened after last week. What do you make the line in that game? I make three. Three. Because Michigan, Michigan played a worse game against Indiana than Ohio State against Maryland. As weird as that sounds, I have Ohio State's performance rating at nine and a half points better than Michigan's. So that cuts the gap between the two teams from Michigan being seven and a half points better to um, it being five points better. And then you add in home field. So if Michigan wins this, sorry, if Ohio State wins this game, Michigan's out, correct? Yeah, I think. I mean, for all intents and purposes, Michigan is out. Does Ohio State all of a sudden emerge as an interesting person? Probably not because of how many people they have to leapfrog. But they already will have leapfrogged Michigan. 
So that's a big thing. But you're right with with the respect or the lack of respect they're getting from the committee. Yeah. But Michigan, you know, is a top team. And so that'll give them quite a big boost. Whereas, you know, although then they have to play Northwestern and beating Northwestern won't give them that much of a boost. Whereas Oklahoma is going to be playing West Virginia. And then if they win, um, they play Texas, I think it is. So I mean, what's more impressive, beating West Virginia on the road and then Texas neutral or winning at home against Michigan and then neutral against Northwestern? Okay. What's our path for Central Florida to actually go? I don't think there's a path. I, I mean, the only conceivable one where where you could say maybe they would get a chance is that I think you'd need you'd need well if Alabama and Georgia both lose this week and then Georgia wins the SEC title game with and with three losses, um, sorry, two losses, I guess. I think Georgia still gets in over them. No, so I there's going to be an SEC team. I think anyway. arguably this this could happen. Michigan loses to Ohio State. Ohio State loses in the Big tw- Ten Championship. To Northwestern. Right? Northwestern. Yeah. You need that to happen Oklahoma for sure. loses the Big 12 Championship. Washington State loses to Washington. And Central Florida wins out. They go. And so then you have, you still, you have Clemson. Notre Dame, SEC champ. I, you know, I still think that the committee would probably take a two-loss Michigan over UCF. I don't think Michigan's going to fall that far, or UCF's going to uh, rise that high. I like, who does, UCF incredible. doesn't have a lot of. I think that's so effed up if that's the case. Why does Central? Yeah, Florida it, it might be effed up. But why does Central Florida even bother playing Division One football then? I don't know. Because it's just it's just like not that's like not fair at all. Like no, I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you, but I'm, I'm just saying I, I don't think they would get picked. I'm not saying they shouldn't get picked. I'm I saying I don't think I'm they not, would based on how the committee moral, is. I'm not placing penalized. moral judgment on you, um, but that's really that's really messed up. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So, do we want to move on to picks, or is there anything more you want to say on this? Um. Yeah, we can move on to picks. Okay. So I jinxed UNLV last week. We're headed to a perfect Saturday bet the process college um, slate. And I texted Rufus when they were up 21 to six. So 21 to six. I wonder what their probability of covering a six and a half point line uh, plus six and a half point line was at that point, but I imagine it was pretty high. And it was I in think like you impacted it after you tested. I wish I wish I had that kind of power. Um, but we both had good weeks. I went three and one with the Cal game not being played. So that didn't get count. And you went four and one. Um, so you're at 31, you've recovered nicely in college to 31, 23 and one, and I'm 29 and 25. So college, we're actually doing pretty well. So yeah, that's what's at 60, 48 and one combined. Well, what does that work out to percentage wise? Uh, better than that. How's that sound? Yeah. All right. I'm going to give you my picks. Five point. You have a calculator? Okay. Let's go. Where are you doing this in your head? I have a computer. I'm going to take Nebraska plus nine at Iowa. Um, similar to what I said about Nebraska last week. Just think that people are modeling them incorrectly because of the, you know, how bad they were at the beginning of the season. Okay. I'm going to take Kansas State plus 13. 
14 at Iowa State. Kansas State played quite well last week against um, against Texas Tech on defense, especially. I think they had the fourth best defensive performance. They've, um, you know, Bill Snyder's teams are always well coached. No, that's I'm trying. That's me sounding like um, your average media personality, but I, I just think it's too many points. Okay, Kansas bet the process team plus fifteen over Texas. Yes. Just, just love Kansas. Love you? Kansas. So I, I, I can give out plays where. By the way, um, how where bad teams are involved now? Oklahoma game. Sorry. Did you watch it in the Kansas Oklahoma game? I did Kansas not. In, but Kansas Oklahoma. hung in there. They ran all over them. That game was never in doubt. It was. Oklahoma's defense looks like manure. Can we can we get rid of the narrative that that uh, firing Mike Stoops as defensive coordinator has improved that defense? Sure, but you're betting on Oklahoma again, not to not to jump ahead. So I will jump ahead to that. I, I you know, you're right. Don't, that narrative is gone. Don't skip the craptastic Louisville play plus seventeen versus Kentucky, which you that, like. that's getting moved to the third play now because we're we're talking about Oklahoma. So Oklahoma's defense. Gave up 47 to Oklahoma State. They gave up 40 to Kansas, which came into the game as the 97th rated offense, according to Massey Peabody. So, uh, yeah, that was an eighth percentile effort for uh, by the Oklahoma defense against Kansas in terms of yards and fifth percentile in terms of play success in the game grades. So putrid, right? However, and Oklahoma's defense is 67th in the country, but their offense is number one and by quite a wide margin, too. And that's an 11 points better on offense than West Virginia, which is the sixth rated offense. West Virginia's defense isn't that great either. They gave up 45 to Oklahoma state and struggled to stop the run. They also struggled to stop the pass. So the, but the gap between the West Virginia and Oklahoma defenses is, is only about three and a half points. So um, I make the line a little over five. So I like it getting two and a half. And I was shocked when that line opened at pick. And actually there was even an Oklahoma plus one on Monday. Yeah. Well, you must be all over Oklahoma there. Uh, I'm going to take Washington, as I mentioned, plus the two and a half at Washington State. Uh, just sort of a priors argument, which when it works, it works really well. Yeah, we already covered that. I, I'm on the same side, but got it at three. Uh, so I'm going to take Louisville plus 17 uh, against Kentucky. Louisville's a bad team, but Kentucky has been way overrated all season. We had Louisville last week against NC State in the second half of that game. We had Louisville in the under. It was a double loser. It was very painful because Louisville just I'm sorry. craptastic. Um, okay, I'm going to go with Ohio State plus the four and a half over Michigan. Um, I just This is hopefully a talent comes through when it needs to argument where Ohio State certainly has underplayed their talent throughout the year, and hopefully here they will – step up to the occasion because maybe they've been sleepwalking through this year up until now it they just don't look very good and that's why i think you're getting i mean like if you would come into the season you said michigan ohio state are playing in ohio state at the end of the year and you're like you're gonna get four and a half points with ohio state you'd be like sign me up where do i sign so that's my argument yeah true good argument I'm going to take, uh, well, I guess they're all rivalry games this week, but I'm going to take Virginia Tech plus four against Virginia. Yeah, they've been out with without their starting quarterback for a while, but um, I think um, my numbers like it, and honestly, I don't have anything else to say on it. Yeah, I think that's one of the ones that there's like 
Virginia Tech has all those cluster injuries on defense, and they were super young to start with. And so it's like, are they? Is their defense like epically bad to the point where UVA should be, you know, getting giving four points to them? So we'll see. A uh, and M minus three over LSU. Um, just A and M's actually like this underrated solid team. And I, I think LSU is just not that good. I, I don't really don't know what happened in that Georgia game where they beat the crap out of Georgia. But, God, how interesting would it be if Georgia was going into the Alabama game undefeated also and the prospect of the loser on either side of that going to the national championship would be, like, very feasible. That would be, like, the ultimate in, like, this stupid to just have four teams committee, dumbasses. Yeah. I don't think people like that when the conference championship loser, you know, makes the playoff. Happens a lot. Yeah, I mean the SEC is good. Uh, I'm I'm gonna take uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the Hawaii fade. Hawaii fade. The Hawaii fade. Hawaii fade. You know the line the line is up. I, you know I got it earlier at I think 14 and a half. It's up to 17 now, but I make it 21, so I'm still I'm gonna ride I'm gonna I'm gonna ride that train. Perfect. What's the San Diego mascot again? It's not a train of any kind, is it? Aztecs. Aztecs. Aztec, okay. They didn't have trains back then. Mm, they might have. They were very advanced. They were. Aztecs were super advanced. Okay. Uh, moving on to non-pick topics. NFL. We had a very interesting game Monday night. A game that we were both on the second half under. We probably... When we saw we were on the second half under, we're like, eh, I don't really want to bet this, but I have to because I believe in numbers and I'm data driven and all that kind of crap. And I, it went way over, but I would say that if the two defensive touchdowns hadn't happened, it could have been a very different story, right? There was only 10 points scored, I believe, um, when that first defensive touchdown happened and like shit just changed a lot after that. So who knows what would have happened, but you were talking about like modeling these outliers and these really high totals have been going over um, by a fair amount. And you were talking about like different sort of interactions and things like that, that might be happening. Do you want to talk a little bit more about like the challenges with modeling something of this type, like an outlier of this type? Yeah, for sure. I think I think extremes are hard to model because generally we're creating these models, you and I, and we're we're they're predicated on fitting things to a particular distribution. And when there's something that doesn't fit within the parameters of that distribution, um, it you know you're not going to be able to model it correctly. And, and you, but it's not like you're you can completely change the whole distribution around. Distribution. No, I'm talking about a normal distribution or any other kind of distribution but an with an outlier, with something. A bimodal distribution? <laughs> sorry, I didn't even get that. The it's abnormal fine. distribution. After it, everybody, everybody learns about the abnormal distribution in, in intro stats. Yeah, ab- abnormal. Paranormal, so, quadrinormal. So, um, so, so totals over 57 since 2000 are 15 and 3 on the over. So... You know, it, it is tough, um, but my theory is that the market kind of thinks there are more. Sorry? 2003, you said? Since 2000, 15 and three That's over. Crazy. 
That's like a long. That's high. You know, that's not a big sample size. That's at least a long, sort of like period, right? Of games where do you know? I, I'm not even sure what. Yeah. What the actual statistical, like it's not sample size, obviously, because you're pulling things, but the overall environment is a large environment that you're pulling this from. I wonder. I don't. And it's a different environment. And so, so what I one thing I did do very. If you were saying like the market has changed over time, blah blah blah, the market has changed plenty of times over that time frame of eighteen years, and still this one thing, if you pull it out, shows that these outliers are are diff- challenging to model, and maybe from that small sample size should be even higher than they are. Right, but how many how many totals of over fifty seven were like, you know, in the last few years in this year relative to before? Probably so all very what, recently. The the one interesting thing to do, what I did was I broke it down into um, Z-scores. I basically looked at the average total for each year and the standard deviation there and basically so um, looked at the Z-score so I could convert it to a percentile for that season. So, for example, um, the totals in the top 15 percentile for their season go under 53% of the time since 2000, and that's over 700 games. So these overall the higher totals are more likely to go under but my but at the very very extremes they're more likely to go over and if you look at the unders it's sort of the same way i mean um when you're looking at really low totals so totals under 32 since 2000 the overs are 11 and 4 but um or sorry the unders are 11 and 4 but in on the sort of um the moderately low, well, the very low, the very low, but not extreme totals, um, overs perform better. So my theory is basically that the market thinks they're more outliers than there actually are. So when there is a true outlier, which is rare, um, they under account for it in a way. It's kind of like the boy who cried wolf. You sound like the dude from, um, the princess bride. You're like, surely you cannot choose the one in front of you because, <laughs> Uh, okay. Well, the same wait, the same phenomenon kind of exists in college football too. So, I think there is some support for that. Yeah, I, I, it it makes some sense. I think we would need to quantify it a little better than you just did for me to feel like more confident in that analysis. But it is interesting. Can we talk about? Well, I take that analysis largely. We can I finish um, on this before we move on? There was, I read something. I read something back, this was maybe eight or 10 years ago. Um, someone was modeling, it was an academic paper, modeling baseball players using a hidden Markov model and basically trying to identify them as either elite or not elite. And so this kind of gave me the idea of a total being either extreme or not extreme. And, and they kind of came up with the same thing that like the market or the market generally undervalues the the truly um the so did the, HMM, did the HMM like basically um, expose like natural clusters of like what was an out- outlier versus what was just an outlier? I don't remember, but I do remember the takeaway you, was that like the HMM out. So I'm like trying to figure out what the HMM did in this case. Well, it tries to identify something as either extreme or not extreme, right? Based on no, but it, the bunch you of were saying and all that. So, yeah. anyways, it, okay. Let's move so on. the model, so, so your player value is based on the probability that this player is actually elite or not or regular. Right. Anyway, we can move on. 
Um, did you you familiar with this Carolina game? Them going for two at the end of their game with Detroit. They saw like a minute left in the game. They could have tied it with an extra point, and they decided to go for two. Um, definitely should have completed the pass. It was it was wide open. Um, but I think that this whole concept that people still make these decisions and think that they're an open ended, you know, like ambiguous, like we're not sure if this is right or not, but Riverboat Ron went for it and he went for the win and all this kind of stuff. And it's a terrible decision, I think, right? I mean, oh, was you're, awful. you're basically now ensuring you're, you're doing a 50 50 chance of losing the game pretty much right away. Whereas, well, you do have an onside kick, so maybe five percent win probability. It's like the onside kick is less than ten percent, right? Okay. So, like with the new rules, etc., this season, if you believe that those new rules have really impacted things, I think I believe that the for an expected onside kick, the the number is like below ten percent, whereas it used to but, be around five percent. So right. you have a ten percent chance to get However, that. That doesn't to take away from the point. Basically, it's almost certainly a loss. Let's let's just say that it's yeah, and um, theoretically, you still have that chance also if you want to, right? If you tie it, you can still yeah. go for an onside kick, and you probably have a higher probability of recovering that onside kick because it's not a <laughs> expected onside kick. No, it's true, right? Like that's true. Really it's very true. Surprise so, onside kicks have a much higher recovery it, rate. It just it just kills me right now. Obviously, this is different if the there's like five seconds left to go in the game because in that case it's really easy to quantify your decision you're giving yourself about a 50 50 chance to win the game if you believe that that conversion is at 50 percent. i think the thing that kills me is so many of the people that i've listened to analyze the situation just don't even understand how to analyze it correctly they're like well the carolina is a better team so they should go for it there which is kind of the opposite that of what i would think sense. Yeah. And the other thing that I've heard is Carolina's offense didn't have momentum. So they shouldn't have gone for it there because they didn't have momentum. So all well, this. Can we talk? Go ahead. Can we talk about the fact that if they do make it to, not only does Detroit have, what was it, a minute and 10, minute two left? Minute seven, I heard. I think. Something I haven't looked like at that. I play, but I heard on a podcast it was a minute seven. They're going to play aggressively. Because um, they're unconcerned with giving the ball back to Carolina, so you know they have nothing to lose. Every down's four down territory, and te- te- teams typically play better when they are more aggressive. Whereas, let's say it was a tie game, uh, they're probably not as aggressive because an interception is more costly, a fumble is more costly, and let's say I don't know the timeout situation, but you know if you it's go a quick three and out, if you a quick three and out, Carolina has to get the ball back with the chance in regulation. You're, you're so, actually increasing your chance to lose in regulation. By going for it, even yes. if you get it, <laughs> completely. That's actually yeah. really. It, it, I, it, I think you're right. I think you're right. Like the chance of you getting to overtime is relatively. It's it's not. I wouldn't say it's high, but it's certainly like decent in that scenario. Um, yeah. Okay. I mean, does it ever feel to you like you know the team ahead by one or two points running like a four minute offense? is actually at a disadvantage because they feel like they kind of have to, you know, run it and use the clock and then punt it and then rely on their defense. Whereas like if, if they played, played thinking, you know, if we convert a first down here on one of these downs, like we win the game, 
you know, it's, you know, if they had that mindset, it's, um, I think they'd be a lot better off, but it feels like they feel like they can't do that. They have to run, if they run a pass, it has to be a safe pass or a screen or something. And, and actually I think that, uh, the Rams, I know that, uh, I know that Sean McVay got a little bit of crap for throwing the ball and not using clock that last possession, but I kind of liked it at this point. You don't, you don't want to, you, why do you want to rely on your defense? Your defense has done nothing to stop Kansas city. Yeah. So that, that's like a very, very interesting question, right? Cause I agree with you fundamentally, but then did you watch the um, Chargers Broncos game? When at the, end of, at the end of the game, the Broncos were up by whatever one or two, sorry, the, the Chargers were up by one or two points and they had a third and decent length and they um, Broncos were out of timeouts and they passed the ball, but not only did they pass the ball, it was a screen that was set up. Phil Rivers threw the ball away because the screen was going to be busted versus like just taking a knee and giving up like those seven or eight yards. And they would have been able to run another 40 seconds off. So what's interesting to me, and, and I wonder if teams have really modeled this, but the value of a timeout when um, you can use it on offense i.e like you're the team coming back and you can use it on offense versus like the ability to get a team to run off 40 seconds do you know what i mean like in the case of of um, in the case of the rams like they were not going to be able to get 40 seconds off of um kansas city they were going to be able to get kansas city to use some timeouts but what's the difference between them having that timeout on offense or not versus like actually being able to make them run 40 seconds off. You know what I'm saying? Like there's a, it seems like there's this interesting um, model that, that I don't really know how to model. I'm sure with play by play, you could do it and win probability models, et cetera. You could do it pretty well, but the value of that timeout to you versus the value of that 40 seconds. um, Do you understand what I'm saying? What's I that? think, but wouldn't you always want, I mean, wouldn't you always want to take that time out? I mean, you want to take the time out on defense because you're not going to use 40 seconds yourself. Right, right. Well, here's what, here's what I'm saying. Okay. That decision in the um, Rams game to throw the ball at the risk of allowing the clock to stop, clock to stop does that calculus for you change based on whether the um, – Chiefs have a timeout left or whether they don't. I.e., if they don't, yeah, probably. You know you're going to be able to run 40 seconds off versus if you don't and all you know and you do and all you know is that they're going to have to use that timeout. Well, I think you're thinking about how many plays, I mean, you have left until you can basically take a knee, right? If you get a first down here, then you know, they would use a timeout and then no, you're able to, I don't know the exact situation. Totally, so I think I'm probably saying that like what, what I'm saying is the, the classical thing is, is you run, right. And you run to try to like in a situation where you're up, you run. So they have to take their timeouts. You run. So the clock keeps on running if they don't have timeouts, et cetera. But how much does that decision change if the team has one timeout left Versus if the team has zero timeouts left, meaning like if you know, no, I, I think running, running the ball is more valuable. 
Yeah, if you know you can run 40 more seconds off the clock, then it, I would say it's, yeah, it's more valuable there. Right. So in the case of the, th- this comes back to the case of the Rams. In the case of the Rams, you don't know because they still have timeouts left. So you don't know you're going to be able to like get them to run time off, right? So, you know, going but, kill there. What's what's up? I mean, I don't know if that's the reasoning I would use. I would say that it's a very different situation than the the Denver situation because there's a different amount of time left, also. And um, I mean, this situation they weren't about to like they they wouldn't have been able to just put the similar, game away. There was a similar amount of time left. How much time was left? I think in both games there was around two minutes left. Okay, I, I don't think would they have would they have won the game with a timeout? What do you mean? Who? Uh, the Rams. You mean what they won with the first down? Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, they would have going, going into that going into that. Um, they yeah, essentially they would have won. Second down. Well, the problem is they got a false start. Then they ran. Then they threw an incomplete pass. So once they threw the incomplete pass, they wouldn't have necessarily won with the first down, but they would have come pretty. It was down. a holding penalty, wasn't it? Or maybe it was a false start. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Let's move on. It's it's interesting nuance, and I'd love to see anyone who enjoyed that conversation, which there's probably seven of you out there, um, talking with us about this because I've always wondered this about this whole idea of like being more aggressive or less aggressive depending on whether they have zero timeouts or one timeout. Um, and I think it also out? depends on what, what the defense is going to do too. You know, if the I mean, if if it's if you know that the defense is geared up 100% to stop the run, you know, there are opportunities. Just like most things, it makes strategies probably best. Okay, so let's go to your Twitter. Now, let's actually just move on to last weekend's games. Yeah, I think um, so. Interesting that three of your top six game grades were teams that lost. Yeah, I just thought that was kind of interesting and unique. And Kansas City what were they? outplayed... Kansas okay, City so the teams three. were so the top. Yes, they were number three. First off, the, the top game grade was New Orleans. Yep, obvious. Um, Indy was number two. Obvious. And Kansas City was number three. That's obvious. No, that's definitely not obvious. But not uh, not obvious. It it makes sense, right? Because the Rams had a lot of points. Got a lot of points off of turnovers. I think they got twenty one points off of turnovers. Right, two defensive touchdowns and one like deep turnover that turned into a touchdown. So anytime that happens and you can overcome that and come very close to winning, that's that's pretty impressive. Yeah. So yeah, they have a turnover margin of three, and and Kansas City also committed uh, 135 penalty yards. It's kind of a lot. Oh yeah, they had like so that, that, that's part of it as well. In the first quarter or something, it was crazy. And then Carolina yeah. and Green Bay, um, those are both interesting. They were number five and number six. At five and six. Yeah. So, so the Carolina one, um, that that's a situation where they outgained Detroit by about two yards of play, and and they were nine points better than Detroit in the game grades. I, I kind of was wondering why, because you know they were they were plus uh, they were plus on the turnover margin plus. But wait, sorry, Carolina was minus one in the turnover margin. Detroit was plus in the turnover margin. Um, and Carolina wasn't that bad in the red zone. They were three for four, but they started drives on average at their own 16 yard line, whereas uh, Detroit started at their own 32. So that's, you know, a big field position was a big thing there. 
And then yep. the other one, um, Green Bay, Seattle, that was Green Bay um, lost by three. They were and Green Bay actually was plus one in turnover margin, but they were they ranked um, they were much better on offense. I didn't actually look that much into this one. Um, do you happen to know the yards per play? I don't. The play success. I would guess it's either going to be coming from yards per play or play success, though, given that it wasn't from turnovers. But yeah, that's it. Green Bay are. I mean, they probably should have won that game because they had a chance. There, they got um, Mike McCarthy. Mike McCarthy. Um, oh yeah, terrible, for sure. Terrible decision making. Terrible coach. Terrible coach. All right, let's move on to NFL picks. Okay. So last week I was three and two and you were three and two and you should have Asian handicapped that Rams thing. So you were been three, one, no, three, one and a half and half, but unfortunately you didn't. Um, I know. Cause it was like, it was like at the time it was like minus three, it was minus three and a, it was closer to three and a half than three, but at the same time, so I didn't want to like, I mean, you could get minus three too. I mean, I got minus three, minus one seventeen there. Sure. We've always said, um, we've always said we'll be harder on ourselves than, than most doubts yeah. would be. So we'll stick with that. Um, this week is interesting. What do you have, say? What's that? Well, I, I've been harsh. Easy for you to say. You're not the one getting the loss. Yeah. Uh, this week we have a bunch of overlap. Um, I have the Washington. I'm surprised you're not on Washington, but Washington plus seven. No. At Dallas. Is that up to seven and a half yet? I got a lot to say about that. No, no, that was down. That's I think that opened at like eight and a half. It's all the way down to seven. So okay. So, so Washington, gotten, Dallas has gotten bet, or Washington's gotten bet there. I'm gonna pick Washington. I just don't think there's a huge difference between Colt McCoy and Alex Smith, personally. See, I think you know, I I love personally as a Redskins fan, I kind of would rather see Colt McCoy get some playing time because it's been kind of awful watching Alex Smith. But the numbers basically say that there is a difference. Um, Alex Smith has a much better track record than Colt McCoy does Smith. I mean, obviously this isn't what I'm grading it based off, but Smith is 94 and 66 as a starter. Uh, Colt McCoy is seven and 16 as a starter. And yes, that was, and that was a combination of Browns. And then also he was one, three as a starter. So what do you make Washington. this line? What do you make this line? And Alex, wait, Alex Smith hasn't been good, but the Redskins have also been really banged up and I, and that isn't on him. They, you know, Chris Thompson's been out for a while, still going to be out. Jameson Crowder has been out and the wide receiver core is kind of, I love that. I love that. Anyway, and then I love you talking about injuries and you list off two skill position that we say don't matter. You interrupted before very, I got to the cluster injuries on the offensive line. Players that you, that we've always said don't matter. So here's the thing, though. Alex Smith isn't a risk taker. He kind of needs weapons to succeed or a good scheme because he's afraid of throwing the ball downfield. And so he doesn't really, you know, he doesn't have that. And so Colt, you know, maybe Colt is a better fit for the offense. I don't know. Do I hope I'm wrong? Of course I hope I'm I'm wrong. I mean, I think, you know, my, my model isn't fact or anything and players improve. And Colt McCoy has been in the system for a while. Jay Gruden does love him. But I think the Redskins are overrated. They, they're, they're plus 12 in turnover margin on the year. I, I make the line uh, seven and a half. And so I'm hoping if it drops down, if it drops down, I might take the Cowboys. You traitor. Uh, okay, so what's your first pick? I'm going to take Atlanta plus 13 at New Orleans. Atlanta's still, despite you know how bad they've been in ter- on defense, um, their offense is still quite good. They're, they're number six in yards per play. They haven't really uh, been converting 
that into points as much, but this is kind of one of those where I, I'm still relying a good amount on the prior for Atlanta. And so even though their defense has been bad, I don't think they're as bad as they've shown. And so I, I make the spread actually the, the Massey Peabody makes the spread 11.8, but the player level model loves Atlanta a lot more. It makes it, they, they make it closer to six. So this one is basically based on the players. So they're getting a bunch of players back. No, not, no. <laughs> Atlanta's still very injured. But New Orleans is banged up too. Not not to the same extent that Atlanta is. And, I think you need you know, to take Atlanta's, that. I think you need Atlanta's to take had that. these defensive injuries all season. So the player level model is just very high on Atlanta's offense. Very high. And obviously it doesn't know that Steve Sarkeesian is not a very good play caller. Um, but... You know, Does it know he's I'm a going with it. alcoholic? Um, you know, I have to ask it. I'll get back to you. Is it like Siri? Okay, my next pick is Cincy minus three over Cleveland. Was I that, got that uh, as well. That was a head scratcher? Oh, yeah, yeah, you have that also. No, we, we, we agree on that one. That's my last pick, but Massey Peabody, the, the, Massey Peabody makes it 5.4, but the player model doesn't really like it. Star. It's my weakest one. Star. Why do you like it? Um, because I think Cleveland's, Cleveland's like plus 15 in turnovers, right? I think Cleveland's overrated. And the narrative is that Cleveland's got it figured out. Once they get Condoleezza Rice as their coach, they're going to be fine. Uh, next. Next. Uh, it's up to you because I, I, I chimed in with my Cincy pick as well. Miami plus seven and a half. I actually got them at 10 earlier this week, which I'll beat my chest about when it loses um, before the I 10. I got them at 10 as well. Yeah, so we both did. But we're, we like them at 7.5 also, so there. Yeah, Tannehill back. Are you really seeing Philly minus 5.5? I didn't see that. I see it going the other direction. I see it at Pinnacle, it's minus 5.5. Right now, still. Huh? We, or, or was when I... I posted an SCP buddy picks about an hour ago, so maybe it's moved. I don't know Let's see what it is on Chris. Cause that's what we always kind of use as our litmus test. I mean, Penny would be fine also, but um, yeah, we'll look it up. Okay. So we'll see whether that's going to be five and a half or six for the official, for the official number. But like, we both love that, right? That seems like a crazy amount of value. It does. You know? Yeah. You know, for sure. I think it's one of these where uh, not not quite that high at all, actually. But um, I make it uh, minus seven point nine, and the player level model likes it even more. It's one. Did you realize Philly was minus three in turnover margin last week, and the Giants were plus four? So Chris is going to be minus. Chris is at minus six. So let's just use minus six for that. That seems fair. Um, okay. And then, and then I have uh, Pitt minus three at Denver. Um, Pittsburgh is, I mean, Denver's like we've been saying this all along. They're not a bad team. They proved it last week um, in a one-game sample size against the Chargers. Uh, but I think Pittsburgh's pretty good. And in this role, in this situation, um, with a little bit extra rest and Denver coming off. A very emotional game. I like Pittsburgh here. You know, I'm actually kind of oppo you on there, I, but I, I got Denver at three and a half. I don't like it at three, but um, it's, yeah, I, I'm I'm a little higher on Denver than you are, or maybe just not quite as high on Pittsburgh. I don't know. Both. But my next pick, 
maybe we can both win or maybe one of us can win and one of us can push. That would be nice. Yeah. I'm rooting for Denver to lose by three. Sure. So my last pick is going to be Oakland plus 10 and a half at Baltimore, which I'm surprised you're not on, frankly. I think, you know, Lamar Jackson most likely going to be the starter there. I, I That does move the needle for me. And, you know, even if it's Flacco, I, you know, I'm not sure what I would have it at. I have the, the Massey Peabody has it at 7.4. And the player level model has Baltimore's even less of a favorite. The player level models hated the Ravens this season. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm even if Flacco ends up starting, you know, I, I still think that the odds of that are low enough that I still think there's good value. Because I think the line wouldn't, I don't think it would be a bad bet if Flacco was starting. Makes sense. All right, so those are our picks, and that's our podcast. So thanks for joining us as always, um, and we'll see you guys next week. Rufus, anything to say in, in passing or leaving? No, I got I to gotta go. I got to get to studio to, to meet Tony Kornheiser. Oh, you're so excited. All right. So thanks, my we'll sister just texted me and said, what did she say? Are you reading it? This is a lot of stuff. You cut me off. What did she say? What's up? She, she, I said I had to record a podcast. She said, in all caps, what pod, or if it's Tony, can you bring an entourage? I said, yes, Tony. She says, what about the entourage? I'm sure you can bring Should I bring an entourage? Yeah, she's, he's not going to care. Go for it. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. I got to get over there. I don't need to tell you the story about when he met me. That's a good story. So, okay, guys, thanks. And uh, we'll see you guys next week.